Welcome to Nine Point Started With A Dream Podcast. Our goal is to showcase the stories of athletes and the community that supports them by being authentic about their journey. Here's your host, Jacoby Gillum. Yo, welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, as always, Jacoby Gillum. This episode, we have Kathleen Gates, former pro volleyball player, former Georgia Bulldog, and now working for Athlete Abroad Management, an agency um, helping volleyball players. And Kathleen's journey is one about being driven. You know, and I was really like hyped at playing our story because it made me think I need to work harder. So I don't want to hold it up. So let's get to it. Great journey, great story, and great person. So let's get to it. So Kathleen, the question that everyone that comes on is, when you're younger as an athlete, what was like your biggest dream goal you want to achieve? Uh, when I was younger, I um, had the opportunity to meet uh, New Zealand, the New Zealand Olympic swim team when I was five. Um, and so I remember thinking I really wanted to be an Olympic uh, swimming champion. Um, so that was kind of the goal from like when I was four until like eight or so. And then from that, that changed. And I felt kind of the sport of volleyball. And then that transformed into really wanting to just be really good at volleyball and to enjoy it and eventually get a, a scholarship to go to school. But I remember thinking like when I was five, like in the pool and just being like fascinated by like these New Zealand swimmers and their um their accents their style their tattoos their green hair their piercings and just being like what is this and then and then being able to watch them on the tv and and then eventually I went to um a swim camp and got to meet Sue Walsh who is an incredible um athlete at the University of North Carolina and she was an Olympian and NCAA champion and just incredible person and spent a lot of time with the kids so I feel like just seeing like those Olympic champions that was like the dream and then it transformed into wanting to go and play college sports after I found out about volleyball. So, yeah. So when you saw, you saw them and thought you kind of had that dream, was it more about being able to stand out that kind of made you think about that dream or was it more about like, what kind of made you that like think I want to do that? I think it's just the, like the adventure of it, the the journey of it, the be, like, being able to be open to different opportunities because I mean, they're from, New Zealand or they were from like smaller towns and they get to come to the U.S. and then they were competing as so I think and then I mean just a very wide variety of characters and I think too just in my sports career I think about how uh, I was very fortunate that my teammates um, have and continue to come from very different backgrounds and um, upbringing and sometimes countries than me so just like the richness of that experience where I feel like it's hard to find other types of um, activities or uh, yeah, I feel like maybe like in, in dance a little bit, or like in the arts, you can probably find that. But then in you know, arts and sports, I feel like it's hard to find that kind of mixture of people and backgrounds and all working towards the same goal, which is really, really special. Awesome. So when you have this dream, you know, like you, you want you want to be, you know, the Olympian, the, the next big thing, athlete, maybe 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 a green hair. Well, what, <laughs> what, what was your goal or what was your thoughts on like how you kind of make that happen? Um, I think for me, just working hard because I wasn't, I mean, I'm not the biggest person, I'm not the most athletic person ever, but I think that from a very, again, from a very young age, I just saw that in my parents, especially my grandfather, I was really close to him. Um, he had played, he had joined the military when he was uh, 14 for World War II and then did a 25 year military career and he actually played baseball and thinking back into like the late 40s. And 50s he was playing in the marine league and got to play with 
you play against people like Babe Ruth because back then you think they didn't really have the MLB and like because like programs from playing against the Yankees because they would play against the Marine Corps sometimes and then he had um he was close to Nagasaki a few months after the war and one of his like humanitarian things with the military was teaching baseball with the kids and so I have like pictures of him with like a bat and like tossing the ball with the kids and so then from that to also seeing him he was a farmer and working and when he came back I finished his military career he was a farmer and would wake me up at five o'clock in the morning to go with him to go run the errands I just saw like you have to work hard to to achieve things and then, and then just like the maybe it's cliche but it's true that yeah you can't um you can't talent can never replace like hard work because you can always outwork someone love that so you can have an early age like all right if i want to get my dream i got to outwork someone right yep. so when you said you want to you had to outwork somebody like how mm -hmm. did you go about it in volleyball like because like mm -hmm. were you, we, 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 we we like in like a like club team too or you kind of just like like a late mm -hmm. starter or how do you go about that um i was really fortunate that i was in this small town and so it was cool that we were able to kind of try everything. And my mom was really adamant about pushing us into everything, like at least trying, at least doing one thing, like at least try it once, do the full season, do the full class, or the full whatever it is. So I tried dance, hated it, <laughs> but I still love what I did for one thing. Um, love swimming because it's just like a fun like atmosphere too. Don't get summer league, and then it's a fun way to pass the summer. Um, loved basketball too. So played basketball, played soccer, um, played tennis. And then I had a really good friend um, that we were always together playing all these different sports on the same team. And she's the one that invited me to go come with her and play volleyball. And at the same time, we had someone um, in our hometown that was an incredible athlete and human. She just was starting to um, become uh state champion mvp gatorade player of the year and then they would also have camps in the summer for the kids and so i remember being part of those camps watching her play in the fall and then that winter trying out for volleyball and uh being very frustrated because it's not the most easy sport to pick up i was much better at basketball and swimming just because i had been playing this for a lot longer and came a little more naturally and so i just remember um I really like for me like a big milestone was like getting an overhand serve when you're eight years old like you like want to be able to do that but it takes so much effort and like I remember um one of our vacations we went to go skiing but instead I like insisted with my dad that we would not leave the um, the racquetball court until I finished like until I finally felt like I was like confident enough to serve overhand and so we spent a whole week like an hour to each day of me trying to either hit it in like the racquetball court or going out into the basketball court and trying to serve a volleyball overhand. And I think that's part of my personality. I think when I, I'm someone that has a lot of ideas and a little bit all over the place sometimes, but then when I actually find that like really uh, focus in on what is really important, then I go all in and I just say really like get laser focused on it. Um, Dedication, right? I think there. that was a good one. Yeah. So that was like the turning point. And then from that, I think just like a series of events really helped like I uh we moved when I was in seventh grade and went from like a small town in Hendersonville to a much bigger city uh of Wilmington which is like comparatively not that big but it's 
bigger than what I was used to. I remember, I remember I was like fascinated that you could walk to people's houses because I used to live in the mountains and you would have to like drive everywhere. I was like, what is this? And then like fascinated by like, the bus. I'm like, you need to tell me if I come at this time, every single time, the bus is going to take me to school. And, and it's like small things like that. I think it came with more opportunities, I think, for playing sports with different caliber athletes. And then um, my dad found uh, a tryout for the Carolina region. So like in volleyball, each, <clears throat> it depends um, by state, but at that time it was only USAV volleyball. And so clubs would be part of like in a region and then you compete in those regional tournaments. And then there'd be like uh, their big qualifier tournaments for the national one. And so then they create a program called like the high performance pipeline. And so then they started doing camps for the regions, also camps, the whole U S based on your age group. And so I tried out the next day I got asked to go to another tryout and then I made the team for my, for my age group. And that's, I think that was the biggest, like big leap because even though I was in a bigger town, it wasn't as developed in volleyball as other cities. And so I think having opportunity at, I think I was 13 or 14 to be able to compete with the best uh, girls of my age group in North Carolina um, it was huge. And, and from there, I was able to go and do some of the USA camps. I eventually um, made the decision later on to, to play for a club that was three hours away from Wilmington. And so we did, uh, it was like three hours one way on the weekends to go train with this team. And then that friend from that I had from Hendersonville, she also was very still into volleyball. And so we both made the decision, okay, she'll drive three hours from Hendersonville. I'll drive three hours from Wilmington. We'll meet in the middle, which Greensboro will play on this club team. And that's like, one, for me, that's still one of the most incredible experiences because we were 10, 12 girls all driving in from all over and sacrificing a lot to compete together. And we did incredible things that most people didn't think we were capable of. And then all 10 of us, not scholarships to, to go play. We're all four-year starters. We all um, are either still playing or giving back in some way to this sport. And then we had incredible coaches that really pushed us. So that's like really like, so I had a couple of steps that helped me, the things just kept on falling into place that pushed me towards playing volleyball at a high level. That's, it's, it's so much impacted because like, it's very rare that someone, you know, an athlete like that young, right? It's already that dedicated, you know, to say, mm-hmm. I got this dream, I got this goal, I'm going to get there, just that milestone. So then you, you kind of you kind of put that all kind of thing back to your grandpa a little bit? Mm-hmm. Him and just my family in general. I, I have a sister and she's only two years younger than me. And so she was like always my separate partner, my forever like rebounder for basketball, my forever like help get me up in the morning. We'd have to go to early swim practice. And so she was someone that, uh, it still is like my biggest cheerleader and biggest supporter. And then my parents too, because they're the ones that also said, okay, if you really want this to happen, we'll be behind you hundred percent, but you still have to, but you still need to do your studies. You still need to get good grades. You still need to take care of everything, but they also made huge sacrifices financially and time-wise. And also too, really fortunate with it. They were in a position to be able to make those kind of sacrifices for me as well. Because they're really, really much my family have a lot to be, grateful for and they've always been my biggest supporters and been there for, for everything so yeah between my grandfather and my sister and she wanted to play too in college and had an awesome career she was player of the year her senior year she was captain for a lot of her career and then is very has a very good business career now too so I'm very proud of her um and the same thing for my parents is making to almost every match every weekend every tournament so That's definitely a, a, a family affair That's a squad <laughs> right there 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Gates family rolls deep. Yep. Make out a shirt right there. Yeah. Make a shirt. <laughs> so, so when so you got so you get to the point where you're kind of make, making a name for yourself and you know and got mm-hmm. you you know coming up in in the love world. How did you kind of approach you know once you started getting those college letters? Mm-mm. What's funny is that I didn't um, play for that club in Greensboro until my junior year, and it's not uh, wasn't people weren't signing as early as they are right now, but people were still signing. So I didn't really, up until, up until that point, I had only played like in the regional tournaments uh, in the summer league. And then we one big qualifier. I, and I'd never been to nationals. I'd never been to more than one qualifier. So that was, and that's where you get the exposure because back then there wasn't YouTube. <laughs> there wasn't, you had to like, the way to get exposure was really for the coaches to see you play live on like today where you can just film with your phone and send in the video. So it's, it's hard to think back to like, what was it? 2004, 2005, when <laughs> it wasn't YouTube. And like the dads there, like filming the camera and having like to send it. Hopefully they'll watch all these videotapes coming in and everything or the CDs coming in. Um, so you really, the biggest way was to be able to get exposure at these big tournaments. Um, so thankfully, what I did was I also too, I knew I wanted to help people and I was like, like science and so, okay, maybe I want to be a, um, a physician's assistant. So what I did, because school for me was also very important. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I was not thinking about it too. I'm like, why did I do this? But anyway, so I made like a list of like, I started looking at graduate schools for PA to then have all the requirements and then try to look at what would be the best programs of degrees for me to get, to become a PA. So that's how I kind of narrowed down the search. I also did it based on, um, I wanted my parents to be able to come and my sister to come and watch me play. But I also wanted to be um, a little bit far away to have like a new experience um, as well at college. And so through that, I narrowed it down. But then I think the biggest thing with, with playing for that, um, that club team, I was starting to, and then started to go on visits. And my dream school was Georgia, because it reminded me a lot of UNC Chapel Hill, where both my parents went, that's where they met, my dad played baseball there. And so there was a coaching change during that fall. So I didn't think it was going to happen. And then the coach came and saw me play in February. And then I had, I was asked to actually walk on. Um, at that point, I wasn't very well known. I had, uh, hadn't made a name for myself. And then shortly thereafter, I had tried out for the youth national team and I made the training team that summer. So even though I was like doubting myself quite a bit because I was like, okay, I made the youth national team looking at all the other girls and saying, okay, they have these full scholarships. Why did I agree to walk on? Again, I'm asking my parents for a huge sacrifice to pay like $45,000 for one year of school, knowing that I would get a scholarship after that. And so that whole, my whole senior year, I was really going back and forth. Like, should I go? Should I try something else? Like this is, I know I had the level to play at a more volleyball focused school because at that time and they're very middle, lower of the SEC. We pretty much stayed that way my whole career. Um, but anyway, but something about that campus and that feeling and wanting to be in, wanting to be a Georgia Bulldog, really like was just, like my heart was telling me it. And then uh, as as it would turn out, when I got to campus in July, the secretary, uh, the director of ops, excuse me, um, met me in the parking lot to tell me that um, someone had medicaled out, and so I had a scholarship, and so my whole four years would be paid for. I should realize just like having this huge, like, first of, all, of course I cried. <laughs> and then I like, it was like huge relief. And also to just say for my parents that all your sacrifices and everything was worth it. Like you don't like, it's, it's going to be paid in full. You don't have to worry about paying for education for me. I'll be okay. And then 
So yeah, that was like the big turning point that summer was being able to, because I, I was even doubting the week before I moved to think like, should I really go to Athens? Like a whole, like even summer school before I had to pay for this and that. And then everything worked out. And then I thought I was in a red shirt. And then I thought I was in a red shirt and then I ended up starting because of the of other events too. So then I just started for four years. But yeah, it was, it's been, it was a wild ride <laughs> to get there. That, that, that is wild. Like, the thought of you know walking in the parking lot and you get stuff hey you're on a full ride <laughs> you know yeah. so so you basically kind of you, you kind of went there I guess in a sense on faith and kind of and kind of believing that you're going to get there and, and, and you're going to earn a scholarship yep okay. exactly and saying like and I say more likely we want you but we see that we're rebuilding a program and it makes more sense to put money towards hitters and that kind of thing which you kind of see that too sometimes uh in pro focusing more on people that score points to the bigger salaries and setters and middles get a little bit less but um yeah that was the thing and then the the coach knew that I really loved that university and that feeling and just Athens and the whole the whole whole package and great academics great student life and that as well so it was it would be hard for me to walk away from that and to the distance being able for my parents to come for the weekend and then playing against other big schools would be it fit all the requirements at that time so yeah that's a wild story right there like, i hope i hope it's really <laughs> i mean you know yes that's, that's, it's almost like story storybook right there when the, the, mm-hmm. the journey just starting and then you said you were a starter for four years so yeah so that's so you went for, so you went so this, 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 you went from being small town, you know, wanting mm-hmm. to be maybe a, a swimmer to chasing this volleyball dream, saying I'm going to outwork anybody that comes in my way, mm-hmm. to being a four year starter. What what was that like? You know, like was it like a like like a like a like a like a hard transition from you know high school to college? It was a lot. It was a lot. Um... I'm grateful because of my junior coaches. I remember going back to working hard. I had uh, one of my coaches for the high performance Carolina region. Another quote that he gave us is that um, when you're not working uh, somewhere, someone else is. And when you two, two meet, she will win. That's something that's been like a mantra for me for, for when I was playing, just knowing that there's going to be a certain point where like you keep working 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 and there's going to be around other athletes that have worked that much too so it's really just going to come down to that and so I think that helped carry me because I needed to work more because I was like I had, again I had but up until my junior year I hadn't really played with big name players the size of the players the speed of the game um and then too I thought that I was going to be a red shirt and so then to go walking on to thinking okay I'm going to arrive be a walk-on red shirt and just learn from the setter before me to then being like, actually, no, you're it. <laughs> you're going to be starting a week after I get there be like, ah, okay. And then um, having to learn very quickly uh, about my teammates and there's a lot of growing pains and leadership isn't, it can be a very lonely uh, endeavor sometimes. And um, also having to figure out who I am as a person, because that's, that's kind of the point in college because figuring out who you are and, and growing. So we yeah, had a lot of growing pains, but I wouldn't trade it because, um it was very tough but I loved my teammates and loved the experience at Georgia so go dogs I wouldn't change it yeah go dogs it's awesome because I feel like you're you're, you're you're like that person athlete that like that's like they can always count on 
right? Mm-hmm. And like the, like the coach knows, like, all right, Kathleen's going to be the person that I know is going to give 110 regardless. Mm-hmm. Is, that, that, is that true, you think? Uh, for sure. And then, too, um, I'm a little bit tenacious as well. And so that work sometimes didn't work as well other times with my teammates to, and wanting to have that same level of um, uh, rigor and, and work ethic. Um, Sometimes I would come across as like my sister would say the same thing, come across as Kathleen the meanie. And so I would be like very like and just would get a little bit too laser focused sometimes. Um and sometimes it would I would butt heads a lot with um my teammates, but at the same time, like they knew that they could count on me. I would be the, but also be the first person to pick somebody up or to help them or to drop everything and go where I was needed. So there's like two sides of it. Like I would be very rigorous at the same time. I really, really care about my teammates and wanted to help them on and off the court. I love that. So, mm-hmm. so, so at, what point, at what point did it become like, maybe I can go pro? Um, I thought about it for a little bit because I've seen other women that had gone pro, but at the same time, it was hard. Like, I'm not going to lie, I was really burnt out after my four years at Georgia. Uh, the grind, and then we had a coaching change uh, my junior year that made me almost want to be like, I'm done. <laughs> I'm like, this is too much. Um, I might just go back to Wilmington and go to UCW and just be a student because um, I'm not sure that all of this pressure and the stress is worth it. Um, but thankfully, I had two female coaches that came in and both were had played pro and uh, really encouraged me. And the second thing that happened was um, the assistant athletic director, Carla Williams, who is now the AD at uh, University of Virginia. Um, helped me figure out how I could get a study abroad uh, paid for and sent and got to experience that in May going into my senior year and so um, I was able to go on a May semester to Croatia and I think being able to go to Europe and then having two coaches that had played professionally I think were the three the two things I needed to help me see okay yeah maybe I do want to, to do this um, but even then I was still very uh of minded thinking okay but I still want to go to PA school I need to go to grad school I don't have like not unlimited amount of time I can do this and then same thing I like I also want to take a break like I wanted to have like experience one football season not being as not being an athlete and so I um, added a minor and I stayed in one with an extra semester so I was able to be there for the fall and see us play like it was a really cool experience to go with a teammate that fall and watch Georgia um, play in the SEC championship and it was a path of my decision. So what actually ended up happening is, is that I did a, a tryout in that January, the bring it tour tryout. And so um, I had a, a ticket, like, you know, I was like, okay, fine. I'll do this tryout for a few weeks. So I'll have two suitcases. Either I make a team and I'll stay. Either I'll just continue to travel and enjoy Europe and come back and go to grad school. Or I realized that this is not for me. And I just moved back to come back to Athens and, and work and, and to get ready for that next, next chapter. Um, we flew into Milan and then that same day we had like a, a practice and then I was able to uh, next morning get into a Fiat with like an Italian coach and drive down to close to Rome. And that's when I signed my first contract. And so I was like, okay, so that like that all the fears and doubts, like, can I do this? Am I good enough? Will this work out? What should I do next? Or like, okay, yeah, this is it. I can, I can do this. And so I'm going to see what happens. So yeah, that's how I got my first pro contract. You're just driven. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
so when, so when you have this drive, right, you know, like, like you said earlier, there's mm-hmm. always that voice of doubt, right? You know, we all have it, you know, sometimes it's loud, sometimes it's quiet, and, you know, sometimes it just grows, right? When that voice come, how did you kind of, what, what was like your tool, the mental health that you kind of helped, you know, keep you kind of, mm-hmm. you know, stable and you know, check, whatever? I think it's, especially, you know, I think it's super important, like, like they say, like, what you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with, and so I've been very fortunate that people either on my team or around me that were really encouraging and were and I was able to confide in or go to when I was struggling and um, just having people that are also but also high achievers too and they wanted the best of what um, whatever their goals were so they're always working for something and also being around highly motivated people whether that was people in my in my degree all actually science majors all knew that they wanted to be PTs or PAs or teachers but very very motivated so we all could be other accountable and push each other um, whether it was my strength coaches and the student assistants that were there with us every day so or our academic advisors at Georgia and then having to kind of create that circle again when I was pro and so um, whether that was at one point I was thinking about doing wine stuff so I was looking at okay, what do, uh, who works in the wine industry? What do they do? And trying to find people like that, uh, coming across other mentors that way of, and then strength coaches as well, mental coaches. So I just, I think too, like not just relying on myself, but creating an environment that can help me and push me and, and be like a safety net too as well. That's, that's awesome. I think that's, that's, a lot, that's a lot of value there because, you know, sometimes we kind of get as like high achievers that we can just do it all ourselves. Mm-hmm. Right? But, but you, you, you kind of have that self-awareness of like, you know, I need, I need a squad and I need people around me that can, you know, help me and kind of have my back too. That's cool. No, it takes time. I think it's like the constant uh, struggle between your ego and like what you want, like the ego, the doubt, the push and the drive and like I listen to your inner voice to, um, to guide you a little bit. It's, it's not easy. It takes a lot of practice. I'm something too, even now that I'm having to work on as I'm making different changes and decisions as well. Mm-hmm. So, 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 you, so you, so when you started, you came, you came, you came a pro, right? Mm-hmm. So if you could have like stopped, you know, and look back on your journey to like, you know, the five-year-old who wanted to, you know, be, you know, the, the big time athlete, what, what would you say to her like about the journey coming up? Um, <laughs> I probably would have told her that, um, you, you won't believe the places you'll go and the people that you'll meet. And it's going to be very, very hard, but very, very rewarding. And um, don't wish any of it away, the good, the bad, the, the ugly. Don't wish any of it away. Just, just accept it and keep moving forward. Because I, I think sometimes when it was getting hard, I was resenting how hard it was or resenting that things didn't go how I wanted them to instead of being more accepting and and just trying to le- keep, learn the lessons from it rather than staying in, in the space where I was um, – a little bit angsty and then to realizing that the the good moments go by so fast <laughs> like just to really be present to soak them up and to, to enjoy it because it really does go by a lot faster than you think and it was cliche to say but it's it's true what what was the hardest moment you faced as a, as a pro um I think it was during my third season and um first I had did not I was not in my very very best physical shape and so I came into preseason a little bit behind and then on top of that I put a lot of pressure on myself to be like okay you have to do this this, during the season you have to be this kind of player even though 
a lot of it was outside of my control, like these like uh, objectives and things I wanted to achieve. Um, and so all that pressure and stress I put on myself for the first time in my career, I got a major injury and couldn't practice. And that was like the first time I think ever that I hadn't, well, I hadn't been able to do something physically for six or eight weeks. I had missed maybe at Georgia and never missed a practice after maybe a handful of times because of stomach flu. Even when I rolled my ankle, I was like, hey, keep them up. <laughs> We're not going to keep going. And so I went from always playing and even as a three-sport athlete in high school. So summers were busy. I never took time off to go from that to being, okay, you tore your abs. You can't really do anything because even like laughing or coughing hurts. So you really have to take time off. And I think that was just, um, it was tough because I had put so much of my identity into being captain, the volleyball player, the pro athlete, the leader of the team, the setter to being like, now you're the bench player. You're not even on the bench because in France, if you're injured, you have to stay in the in the stand. You can't be on the bench if you're medically like uh, taking a, a timeout. So that was like a lot. That was, and I went to a deep depression because uh, just, just at that point too, I hadn't built that um, structure around myself yet of, mentors and people and so it really forced me to do that to reach out again to people that I lost touch with and then ask a lot of questions personally about, okay what do you want out of this what do you want to do moving forward how are you going to handle this differently um but that took time and it didn't really fully come into fruition until that season ended and I was able to go into therapy and to really dissect what happened and then prepare myself for that next season then thankfully I got picked up the next season too because not always guarantee when you get injury like that I got injured twice with, because I've got re I tried to come back too quickly and tore it again so like another three weeks I'm like you've got to be kidding me <laughs> but but it's that was and that during that period I think my ego was doing a lot of the talking and a lot of the I don't know a lot of influence and so having to be humble again was a nice healthy dose of being humble uh, was was really needed and then having that step back and then too I was able to when I see teammates that were injured I saw I view them differently than than before so that was also a good a really nice gift um, to be able to be that person to help teammates that were injured and then knew what that felt like to be out I'm I'm glad you I'm, I'm, I'm glad you kind of mentioned the athlete identity right because mm-hmm. like for me I think uh, like like my story in a little bit I have a ACL tear and I was like I was like that in the same way high school you know like I was Jacoby the athlete and that's how people saw me I thought I received myself when I lost that piece of me, I had no idea who I was, what I like to do, who do I hang out with when I, I can't be the athlete. So for you, we, 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 we kind of had to re, rebuild who Kathleen Gates was. Who, who were you? Um, I think I had to go back to what, what, what I enjoyed about the sport, what I enjoyed about the playing abroad experience. And that was being curious, getting to know people and working towards common goals and um, building community and being a positive force of change or a positive influence, uh, whether it was for the kids uh, I was coaching uh, at my clubs or back at home or just in general, being that friendly, open person, building community, and then enjoying opportunities I have to travel and to have new experiences rather than focusing on oh yeah, I want to be this person, be the best and get all these accolades when in fact, like that was, I don't know, that's never been like, that was never my, I didn't go into this. I didn't try to 
I joined the team in Greenville. I didn't say, okay, I want to be the best setter in the U.S. No, I just said, no, I just want to be better. I just want to be in a good environment, enjoy this sport, grow more, and see how far I can go. So that was like just changing my focus and getting, yeah, letting the ego <laughs> push it aside. So, so, back, so, back, so back to you right now, who is Kathleen Gates? You know, outside of volleyball, who is she? Mm-mm. Uh, super curious and social, um, able to uh, drop of a hat, book, jump on a train or on a plane <laughs> to go on an adventure, uh, but also someone very loyal and uh, cares a lot about the people that are in, in, in her life and um, just enjoys good conversations and good food and good wine. <laughs> what kind of wine? Uh, right now, I think it's like mostly wine from the Loire Valley because I visited there back in February with my parents. A little bit lighter. Um, a lot of, uh, uh, for me, red and white wine is kind of the same. It depends on what goes with it. So those types of wines, yep. Yeah. <laughs> right now you're based in, not not Paris, but is it a little about and, uh it's a it's three hours south in a town called or three and a half hours south by train. It's called Clermont Ferrand, and it's two hours west of Lyon. It's really like right in the middle of of France. Full jewel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like we're lying, whatever. You, you said some words in French, and I was like, mm-hmm. "Crap!" All right, dual lingo, <laughs> Google Translate. How do I say something so back? So I sound clever. <laughs> so, so for you, you know. How did you kind of learn to, I guess, or how did you kind of get acclimated to different cultures, you know, that, that you were experiencing overseas, you know, coming from, you know, Henderson, Hendersonville, right? To mm-hmm. now, you know, being in Croatia, being in Paris, being in France. How do you kind of get that adjustment in? Um, I think it was, I was lucky that I had friends uh, growing up from a few different, like their different backgrounds. And then it continued into, into college and then, this being, I think just going back to being open and curious and just uh, listening a lot more than I was speaking and observing a lot more than just jumping in. Um, I'm not gonna lie, learning, not knowing how to learn a language and then being kind of forced to is still not fun. <laughs> like I, still, I still struggle a little bit with the completely being able to express fully what I'm thinking uh, in French, but then realizing that's worth the effort because then again, it opens, it opens you up to more connection and um, understanding the culture and realizing that um, it's such a cool opportunity we have to live over here and to play and to also interact with these people that otherwise there's no other reason I would be speaking French. <laughs> I was gonna just say that normal path and after decide after uh, university to go ahead and just go become a PA, go right to work and maybe travel every once in a while, the, the two weeks we have off, to go travel somewhere, but yeah, completely different. I think she thinks it opens you up to a whole new world and a whole new experience and makes you a lot more autonomous as well. Definitely, definitely. So, so you, so year three, you got, you had the injury, you, you kind of had to bounce back, you know, kind of out, out, work your way back. So year four and year five, mm-hmm. you, you had to give like, give like a theme for those two years. What, what would you say? um it was just like a comeback because that was like kind of the thing too like we the season I I personally wasn't well my teammates were incredible we had an incredible season we helped move the team I was playing second division in France we have won nearly almost all our matches we moved the team up to the first division we made to the finals of the Coupe de France which is 
the tournament and really lost by two points in the fifth set. And I remember thinking, sitting in that locker room in Paris where we played the match, just thinking, I hate this feeling. I hate this feeling of like get, doing all this and getting so close and not doing this. Like, it's like, and I just remember thinking to myself, I don't care where I am or how I do it. I, next year I want to win this thing. And, and at that point I knew I wasn't come back to that club. I didn't really know if I could get picked up again, but I had this feeling like, I'm like, I'm going to come back and win this thing. So then the next year, um played for Chamelier and it was a very similar season I think maybe the records might have been almost identical so we won again the championship helped move the team up to the first division and then we won the Coupe de France and what was cool about that year was that we were able to play that match in Clermont in front of a home crowd and it, and we were even scrappier because we only had like maybe eight nine players the whole season so we had a few injuries and so it was really just a huge team effort to be able to first of all make it a whole season on eight players and then second to to win that coupe de france in front of the whole team and having all that pressure um and to be able to do it and, just, and, and also to the best i think the best feeling was knowing that it was a really tight we lost the first set and won the next two and then in the fourth we started finally getting a big break and like looking around at my teammates and just smiling because we were finally okay all that hard work all that sacrifice is going to be is going to pay off and at that point too we knew we were going to win the championship so just a really cool season um so they get come back and then also too i think going to that next season just assuming my role as the setter and starting and being a leader again because i think you lose a little bit at least i did lost a little bit of confidence after being injured and also lost a little bit of confidence being overseas and not really not being able to express myself as I normally would uh, in English and trying to like kind of find out, okay, what is my place over here? And then be like, okay, no, what, this is what I want, this is what I'm going to do. And I know I'm going to be over here. So let's go. Uh, Joel, you got you to mention being, being a leader a lot, right? And mm-hmm. you know, being a setter and being a leader and kind of, and kind of, kind of rallying your teammates. So say, you know, there is some a, a kid back here in the States, right? That's a mm-hmm. setter, that's, say, a younger you, right? Mm-hmm. What what advice would you give that kid on, you know, on how to develop their, their, their leadership skills? Uh, something that I wish I would have learned a lot earlier and been a lot kinder with my teammates, because sometimes I would come across really brash and a little bit harsh um, and thinking about, you have to separate the person from their actions. There's a person that that's on the court, the person off the court, and this personality can be completely different. So take time really to invest in the person off the court, get to know them, to know what makes them tick and figure out how you can bring out the best in them rather than just um, being frustrated when you, with, with the results and the performance. Because uh, once you do that, you get, because you don't, we won't, and coaches always tell us that you don't really care in like 20 years about the, you won't remember the scores or what happened, but you remember like you're, you'll have those relationships with your teammates. And that is the most important thing is it's a team sports relationship. And that's more important than the wins and losses. Okay. So, so if, so if, if Susan misses the kill, you don't, mm-hmm. you don't yell at her. No, you <laughs> say, what's up? <laughs> you say, how can I, <laughs> you can just say, okay, like, what can I do to help? Like, what do you need? Or then say, or or if like for instance, you know, sometimes teammates um, if they have to make a couple of mistakes, they either get into their heads or uh, less aggressive, and you try to help them by saying, "Hey, like think about doing this," or if you see an opening, or 
like in this, in this situation, their defense is always here. So maybe if you try this, this could work and help them reach, help them reshift their focus on what to do rather than thinking about past mistakes, which I think is, it's difficult because volleyball is a game of mistakes. And so kind of like tennis too. So someone has to either hit the ball out or miss a defense and that's how the points scored. So trying to help your teammates refocus for that next play. An interesting perspective. I kind of thought about it that way. Volleyball is a game of like a mistake. And I'm mm-hmm. watching the game and that's true. Like, like if you, you know, miss the set, if you, you know, you block it out of bounds. So that's interesting. That's mm-hmm. So, so for you, you know, your year five, everything like that, when did, when did it become a point where you, where you thought, all right, it's time to hang up the jersey? Um, after my fifth season, I played seven in total. And so I knew I wanted to stay in France. So I, my focus started shifting towards, okay, how I'm going to create a life for myself outside of, uh, from my careers over. And also to, after turning 26, I was like, well, I'm not, I'm not paying insurance anymore. I need to figure out a way to stay full time in, in Europe and in France. So I actually uh, became a tour guide in Paris. And so I did bike tours and walking tours with a company called Fat Tire. Um, and so that was really, really fun. I was with um, about 40 of us for guides because back um people could travel <laughs> more freely and so it was like it was really fun and it gave me a new perspective on like life outside of sports and just and then to the quality of people I was with in that company was extremely high like everyone was very hardworking, very driven also could have a good time and good conversation and what was cool is that none of us had the same profile like I was the only professional athlete a lot of people were musicians and teachers and so I think seeing that life outside of it and then doing it a second summer I knew kind of going into that second summer in 2019 that maybe this would be my last season playing and then I would also make things possible that I could ask for a 10-year work visa and so knowing that I loved tours and loved people I started applying to jobs and had things starting to line up for after after volleyball but then um, 2020 happened and people weren't traveling anymore (laughs) so those jobs kind of fell through and then I had just turned in my um, documents to ask for the work visa uh, and that got lost in the mix of the chaos of, of COVID. So then um, was really unsure and knew that like I, looking at that, I was like, okay, I had the option like from that March until July, I had the option of like, okay, do you want to play again? Or do you want to work? And I was like, I don't think I want to play in these conditions. So a huge, I have a huge respect for athletes, especially the ones that played these past two seasons, because it was really tough being that isolated having to be really flexible and change lots of changes and I knew that at that point my mind was already I was not unless you really really love the sport it would have been very difficult for me to and like really just wanted to be in it it would have been not the best environment for me to be in so I knew I already knew that and so I was already thinking about other things like okay yeah this confirms that I should need to go ahead and and hang things up so you're hanging things up you're yeah the tool guide you you now you you got the visa so, mm-hmm. so, so now if you look at, so where, where are you now in, in the journey? Uh, I feel like I'm still in transition of like figuring out exactly what, um, I know I kind of have my big goals, but I think that I think is what's difficult is knowing like what's the next best step to get there, trying to weigh all the options. And so 
uh, for me, it's working with um, athletes abroad and helping um, athletes before, during, after their careers uh, as professional volleyball players. And then um, as well, finding, I think, another platform and also helping to grow women's sports, whether I stay in volleyball or whether I change to a different sport. But I think just encouraging um, girls to play. And for me, that looks like making women's sport more accessible uh, through media and also through broadcasting. And so um, seeing where that could possibly take me and making that more just more visible. Because we see that already with, I think, if anyone in 1999 is, uh, remembers, can remember the women, USA women winning that cup uh, the World Cup and just being able to have that moment and seeing that it was incredible and I think that's what women's sports need just more eyes and more visibility and if people are interested if it's on people will watch but it's just accessibility is difficult so I feel I feel like this conversation with alignment because because I need I need mm-hmm. help with that like there's something like like, yeah. not, like you know like we got we're kind of we're kind of we're kind of doing doing more volleyball stuff right now and mm-hmm. now I want to I want to learn I want to figure out like, how can we you know, magnifying this because, like, 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 I'm like, like, I'm going to the A the AU game this Saturday. Mm. Right? I'm going to watch my, my first pro football game, right? And I would love Very to just cool. figure out, you know, like how it works abroad because it's, it's really amazing talent that goes goes abroad, and it's like we don't really see we don't really see a lot in the U.S. Right? So how, right. how can we showcase those stories and those athletes and and those journeys like yours, right? Because mm-hmm. that way we can inspire some you know some some girl back home to she can do the same thing mm-hmm. i think now it's really great that we have the tools now we have the platforms we have we have youtube we have tiktok we have twitch it's just now getting things organized because of um different federations for instance a few years ago in france they didn't resign the contract for to broadcast the the matches and now they're only available online through the LNV website and it's not like sometimes there's only one perspective of the camera there's no commentators and that's just one league and and you can imagine that some leagues are a little bit better but then it's blocked in other countries or you have to go through a paywall to get through it and then so I think there's a lot of um there's a lot of opportunity because it's not or not as well structured as other sports, or you see someone like um, for women's football, how a company bought the rights to uh, diffuse all the the Champions League matches on YouTube for free for the next three years. And so something like that would work, where they someone just takes all the the rights and says, "Okay, we'll diffuse it on a platform where everyone can watch." Because like, I tried to reach out to other women in sports, and I think it's just funny that we spend more time chatting about where can we find the link to watch a match. Than like actually watching it sometimes, so they're trying to do like VPN it and try to get it going, or there's like bad connections. So I think just um, yeah, figuring out a way to get more eyes on it and distributing it to different markets, and then to um, having the clubs or the athletes uh, tell their own stories and creating creating their own content and in their own style and way because. I think that's also really empowering for the athletes who to be able to share their story, uh, their way. Yeah, we we got we got to talk more about this. We got to we definitely okay. gotta, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so so for you, what you're doing, you know, with, with athlete 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 abroad and everything you're going mm-hmm. forward. So 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 you so you're kind of now at the point where you want to give back to the game, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So I feel like I think it's given me so much. I feel like you, you like, and I think there's also a point too where you have to you go through different stages. And I think there's a stage where you have to go through mourning, like a grief stage of like mourning your career, mourning that part of you, but also being getting excited again about the now the other opportunities that are available. But then also um, healing yourself first before you feel you can help other people <laughs> because uh, my obviously ending during COVID was not ideal. I would have really liked to have just finished the, our last two matches at home and been able to say goodbye to our fans and crowds and being able to say goodbye that way. But at the same time, we can't always have control over that. So um, to a place now where I'm ready again to help athletes and to, um, I see there's still a lot of work to be done. And I, want, I think too, something that's really important to me is doing things that align with my values and doing things that are bigger than myself. And so. I have to grow as a person to be able to do that too. But then my people around me that are in that same kind of mindset is really helpful. So I think that's now for me is figuring out what does that look like and what kind of uh, projects or companies and that kind of thing would I want to move forward with. I love it. I love it. So on our, on our phone to sign up, to sign up there was, there was this, this spot for, you know, if you had <laughs> to give a title for your journey, your story, mm-hmm. what, what would you say? That's right. It's from Hickman now. So, what would what would that be? Oh my goodness! I know I was, I had a hard time putting just like a one like slogan or tagline on my on my journey. Um, goodness gracious! I said I think for me it was just being um, dream big and then work harder. I don't know. I said this thing: you dream big, but then you work harder than your dreams. Fire. <laughs> dream and work harder mm-hmm. how has no one made that like a, a thing yet that, that's that <laughs> murder or something <laughs> dream big then work harder i might mm-hmm. i might quote that on, on social media but i'll give you credit for it though i'll tag you in it okay that's <laughs> so completely fine i think there's also like there's also the side where people are like oh um don't work too hard, don't get burnt out. But I feel like there is like a certain amount of work that's required to achieve your dreams. And obviously, yes, there are times you need to rest and to relax and to refocus. But I think in the beginning, there is like a there's a huge steep learning curve and and you have to put in the work as there's no other way around it. And then the more you try to find shortcuts, the the harder it is you make it hard for yourself. You just have to put in the work. That's been, in my experience has been. And then too, I think it can come down to like like you'll regret not putting in that like you know like 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 imagine if, if you didn't spend that that summer doing working on your overhand serve and on the, on the mm-hmm. racquetball court right if, if you'll be here today and too like I know that the, the summer the season I got injured is because I didn't prepare myself enough that summer going into that season and I would have and so I said that will never happen again and so I had to push myself to make sure it didn't happen again and to get into even better shape and be ready for the season yeah, and I was really lucky I got a second chance to, to play because that doesn't happen very often. Yeah, dream big and work harder, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so I know you got a big, a big game tonight to go watch, watch your friend's last match. So after so yep. two, more, two more questions for you. So so what's next? I mentioned before, but like what's, what's like your, your big next step? Um, For me, it's going to be 
I have my eyes. I don't know what and how, but with being in France and with Paris 2024 coming up, I want to be involved. I want, I'm just going to say it here. I want to do something. I'm not sure what it would look like and what area, but I want it to be involved. And then two, um, second, the side project would always be just finding new ways to um, help athletes share their stories and get more eyes on, on these incredible people and what they're doing. And so I think that helps grow the sport more than, and I think it'll help with school more than anything else. So I think it's the next big thing is really utilizing, we see it on TikTok and all the social medias, just more eyes, more people are interested. Love it. And then the last mm-hmm. question for you, social media, website, they think we, 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 we got to find more about you and follow your journey and your story. Yeah, I'm on Instagram um, at K-E Gates. And that's it. I'm posting more of like travel type stuff and like where I am in France. And then um, also you can follow our athletes at Athletes Abroad SE and see what they're doing, updates on what's going on in the season. Right now it's playoffs. And so a lot of the uh, either quarterfinals or semifinals. And then even tonight, there's the third match of the Swiss championships um, match between Neuchâtel and Smash. And so those are our athletes are competing in them. So following them and their journeys and what they're, what they're up to as well. And also there's always a link for the matches as well. What we share them. Okay. So, yeah. Kathleen, <laughs> I really enjoyed the conversation. Like I look forward to talking to you more. I mean, I feel, yeah, me too. <laughs> I feel like you kind of have like the mindset that can, you know, just conquer any, anything. Less. Yeah. Once, once, once I get past like my, the, the doubt voices, <laughs> then I'm able to go by, there's definitely been some, creative doubt and and in action because i've taught myself out of it but when i actually get over that hump then yeah i'm ready to do anything (laughs) hey you're gonna gonna do some big things in this world of sports for sure i I can see it so so, so, so tell that voice to like (laughs) (laughs) exactly awesome well enjoy the game enjoy some good wine and we'll definitely be in touch soon Yep. Sounds great. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for your time. I know with the time difference, it's not always the easiest. So I really appreciate you and and what you're doing for, for athletes. Hey, it's worth it for sure. Yo, thanks for listening to this episode of the Nine Point Started With A Dream podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please comment, share, leave a review. We would love to hear your thoughts. You can find more athlete-driven content at ninepoint.com. Till the next episode, you're only one opportunity away. Peace.